Hello everyone and welcome to Sagab. This is your host Badr Amin, author of Happy Life, Summarized Guide and Habits to Self-Development. In this podcast, we aim to find common habits of people in different industries such as, but not limited to, sports, investing, business, by identifying their mental and practical habits, routines, and recommendations for you as a listener to be able to integrate it to your own life. Thus, the podcast will hopefully help you identify what are the common essentials that contribute significantly and maximize their performance regardless of the industry. The podcast is divided into two parts, where the guests will talk about the mental practices, self-talk, and who is successful to them, whereas the other part is more into the practical habits and routines integrated into their daily life and their recommendations for the listener. So, please enjoy and take notes. Our guest today is Samar Hamad, creator and founder of the restaurant Akiba Dori and Big Mouth Concepts. Inspired by Tokyo, the restaurant serves Japanese street food and Neapolitan pizzeria. They will have a couple of more expansions in the UAE and are opening in Saudi Arabia, and they are aiming to go global by opening in Europe and Asia. Right? Correct. Correct. Right on the money. Yeah. <laughs> you can find Samar on Instagram at I am Mr. Brightside and Akiba Dori, um, which is I-A-M-M-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E Akibadori, A-K-I-B-A-D-O-R-I. I would like to thank Samu for being part of this podcast and without further ado, let's dive in. What is your one to three most gifted books or channels, shows that you recommend? Okay, so books. Books is an easy one because I studied English literature. So I don't know why I did that, but I did that. I don't uh, see that. Though. Yeah, nobody sees that coming. Everyone assumes I studied business, which I did not. I actually dropped out of business school because uh, I hated it so much, and I, I got into English literature. So I can do one book. That's a book called Sapiens. I recommend everybody read that if they get the chance. And really, any book by Carl Sagan. The reason I recommend books like this is because I think it's really crucial for people to have an open mind about our existence and our real place in the universe, which actually brings me to the most important business uh, discovery I made for myself, which is a time management thing that we're going to talk about later. So I think people tend to focus too much on business and self-help books and, you know, reading people's memoirs. But I think what's really important is for us to understand how privileged and lucky we are to exist as, as individuals. And what we do with that time, I think, is ultimately what makes us either proud of our achievements or think we wasted a lot of time. So these are the books I'd say um, anybody should I should read if they get the chance. In terms of shows, I mean like TV shows, I mean, or I, I unfortunately don't do anything super intellectual. I'm not going to recommend something like Squid Game of Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones. You know, I still watch Seinfeld and shows like Scrubs um, all these years later. So I'm pretty straightforward when it comes to that. Who is considered successful to you and why? I think, uh, again, my definition of success is very different to a lot of people. And I think that's the standard. I'm not saying something new here. I think anyone that goes to bed every night feeling like they've, they've achieved something or they've done something that they like doing and it, it provided value for themselves and others is a successful person. Hmm. So it's not necessarily about how much money they're making or how much they sell their companies for or how much their salaries are. It's really about self-satisfaction. You have a limited number of hours in a day that you can actually be productive. If you're spending 12 hours a day working for a company that you don't like working for, a job that you don't like doing, 
that's not success for me, even if you're making a lot of money. I think ultimately how you feel at the end of the day is what makes you successful. So it's really, you know, I have friends who make a lot of money. I have friends who make not too much money, but they're both happy in their own way. And then I also have friends who are always constantly complaining about their jobs and, and uh, you know, even though they make a lot of money. So again, I, I wouldn't associate success with, with a financial success. I mean, I have a very different definition personally. It's more about, like I said, uh, owning my time. That's how I define my personal success. The ability for me to come here at uh, 10 on a Monday to do this podcast with you is because I own my time. If I didn't own my time, I wouldn't be able to do this. I would tell you, let's do this at 7 p.m. So, yeah, that's my loose definition of success. An advice you remind yourself with and why? So this is something I've been saying to myself since I was a kid. Uh, I remember having this conversation with my dad when I was in my last year of high school uh, in Lebanon. We were talking about what major I was going to get into, and I told him, I don't think it matters what I study. I think, you know, the most important thing for me is that I run my own show. And he's like, you're not going to be a CEO like a year after you graduate college. You need to be realistic. So obviously him saying something like that to me resonated with me and it made me develop this um, kind of personal mantra, which is what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. So I always think what is the worst that can happen before I do anything. So that's something I constantly remind myself of whenever I'm doing something new. Um, is that do I accept the worst case scenario and whatever I'm doing? If I do, I go for it. If I don't, I don't do it. So I need to be fine with something being a major failure or something taking up a lot of my time and then not going through. If I'm not okay with it, I won't do it. So what's the worst that can happen? I know it sounds super simple, but it's actually that simple for me. Yeah. What helped you identify your purpose? I don't think it's one thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when I was younger, I think I identified my purpose based on maybe you know, financial freedom. And then as I got older, I mean, I'm 40, turning 41 in December, uh, maybe in my 30s, how I defined my purpose was, am I doing something that is improving anybody else's life? Is what I do even relevant to the rest of the, the people around me, to my society, to my city, to my communities? Um, it became a bit more existential, I think, in my 30s. Now that I have a daughter, uh, my purpose is obviously uh, creating something for her that she can hopefully use as a springboard in the future. So obviously priorities change and purpose changes. But I don't think I'm a purpose-driven person in general. So I don't think for me, I wake up and say, this is this is my objective in life and I need to reach it. I think I've constantly evolved that mentality um, depending on different situations. And I'm very quick to react to things. So as soon as I had a kid, you know, a lot of my priorities changed in the sense that you know I never thought about something that has to be available 18 years from now. When she's ready to go to college, you know, you know, so it's 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 crazy how these things change. But I'm constantly evolving as a person, and I think also uh, my objectives and my purpose uh, evolve with it. So if you ask me this question a year from now, it could be a completely different answer. How thoughts, self-talk, and past experiences are shaping your perception? Do you revisit these thoughts in any category? Yes and no. I don't. I only dwell on the past, or I only think about the past when it comes to '80s music video games, and some cars, let's put it that way. I don't like to look back, to be honest. There's absolutely no point. You know, there's, for me, it's such a waste of time and energy. I'd rather think about what's coming or what's happening right now. And uh, so I really don't dwell uh, on the past. It does, it does it shape me? Yes and no, because some experiences will change your perception about certain things. It doesn't mean that perception can't be broken. So I'm really against the idea of, like, really against it, the idea of, 
oh, this happened to me once, it's always going to happen to me. It's, mm-hmm. that's, it's crazy. I mean, things are so random. If we don't accept that there's random occurrences and chaos, it's going to be very difficult for us to be happy, I think, as, as with whatever we do. So the past for me is for inspiration, maybe culturally, musically, design-wise, art-wise, but it's definitely not something I look back on and say, oh, if I could do it again, I would do it differently. Yeah, of course, you, of course everyone would say that. I find it really ineffective to look back at the past too much. I think you should always be looking, always be looking at you know how things could be in the future if you did, if you started doing certain things now. What thoughts dominate your mind on life? For example, do you say to yourself, "Life is hard" or "Life is easy"? <laughs> That's a difficult question to answer because I have a very philosophical view on life. Mm-hmm. I think life is random. I think our chance of being born is one in a trillion or one in two trillion. So the fact that you're even alive right now is it's just an insane situation to be in, realizing that the odds of you being born the way you are is so, so fine and so so minute as a detail. Life is not difficult. Life is not easy. Life is situations. Some situations are easy. Some situations are difficult. Um, some people adapt better to difficulty. Some people adapt better to easy lives. You know, that's why some people quit big city jobs and move to the country. People move to islands. People move and completely change their path, even within big cities. So, You know, I don't know if there's a, an easy answer to that question. Um, I think it depends on the situations you're in. I've been in difficult situations. I've been in very easy situations. Um, I've been in very difficult situations. Yeah, I think it, it's like an ocean of experiences and you're riding the waves one at a time. You know, you know just getting through day by day. And I think that's the, that's, for me, that's what got me through a lot of tough stuff is that I know that nothing is the end of the world. You know, there's always going to be a next day. Unless there, you know, some asteroid uh, pops up and then thank you very much. <laughs> Everything we built. Yeah. With what thoughts do you start and end of a job or task? For example, how do you start a new project with confidence of achieving or do you say, I cannot do it? If it helps, is there any questions you ask yourself to assess the endeavor? So any endeavor that, I, that I'm taking, the last 15 years have been all my own. So every single business I've been in since I was 25 years old has been something I created or something I pushed forward. And the reason for that is I like to create. So as long as I'm creating something, I'm, I'm motivated. So I don't need to really overthink it. And the same thing I was telling you before about the what's the worst that can happen kind of mentality, that's pretty much what I always ask myself before I start a project. And I, I tell people that come to me for advice and not many people come to people for advice because people hate to ask questions. And I always say that's the biggest mistake of young entrepreneurs. I think reaching out, just saying hello to somebody, asking a question. If you ask, reach out to 10 people and two reply and you get good replies, you've done something. People that don't ask often are setting themselves up for uh, a single-minded approach to a problem or to a, to a business. So I think it's always good to ask these questions of yourself and other people. But for me personally, like I said, If I'm comfortable with the worst case scenario that I'm going to dedicate a year of my life to a project and it's not going to come to fruition, I need to be okay with it, I'll do it. If I say no, I'm not comfortable wasting a year of my life to do this and then it doesn't work, I wouldn't do it. Pretty straightforward. Do you practice prayer, meditation and or visualization that helps you in achieving goals? Do you have mental practices to prime and equip you for work, financials and other important areas in your life? None of that. No. Nothing at all. No, I'm not a uh, spiritual person at all, actually. Uh, you know, I, 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 see the, I see the world very differently uh, to the way most people see it. I respect everyone's point of view and people do what they need to do to make them happy. Mm-hmm. These things, you know, uh, meditation or prayer or 
spirituality isn't something that brings me any any personal happiness. I think because I'm generally very focused as a person. Um, so you know, I I've never meditated in my life. I've never sat down like I can't when I I can't go to the beach and lay down. Like I need to be in the water or doing an activity. You'll never find me at the pool just laying down and getting a tan. You can see how white I am anyway. <laughs> it's not a secret. No, but I, I don't know how to sit still and relax. It's very difficult for me to do that. Which is why when I, if I wanted to go on a vacation, my first destination is a big, busy city rather than nature. So, I mean, maybe that's something that will change over time when I get older. Uh, maybe it won't, but I like the thrill. I like the rush. I like the constant activity. I, you know, I don't like sleeping unless I have to. So yeah, so that's kind of my, uh, that's my mantra when it comes to that. I can't slow down. What repeated tasks or steps you intentionally do as a ritual, routine, and method to cultivate focus, productivity, and goal manifestation? Video games. The one constant in my life, well, it used to be two constants. One was sports, which I can't play as much anymore. It's just it's time and energy and, you know, just too many things going on. And video games. I've been playing video games since I was a kid. It's the one thing that's a constant in my life. It levels me out. It lets me connect with friends. And uh, it brings out a lot of creativity in me. I have to say. So I get a lot of inspiration from, from that culture. So that's the one thing that I hope I'll be able to do until the day I die, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you have environmental cues to prime you for performance and productivity? For example, do you have written statements or images to remind you why you're doing certain things? And do you design or go to a place that boosts your performance? Um, so what levels me out in terms of performance is going to the gym. So that's something I try to do as constantly as I can because it's it's my one hour to myself when it's me against my body, which I really I like doing. In terms of the first like the, for the first point, not really. I would say um, I know it's going to sound difficult, but I don't really find inspiration in many things. So I don't look at something and I get inspired by it. I normally get inspired by one line that I read somewhere in an article or something. A, a line in a movie or a line in a song inspires me. So it's never something that I expect, but also proves that you can get inspiration from anywhere. Sometimes I'd be playing a video game and think this would be a great restaurant. And they're like, what? It's, it has nothing to do with like, it's how do you come to the connection between a video game and a restaurant idea? It doesn't make sense to most people. So, so yeah, I don't really have that visual aid type of uh, brain. Let's put it that way. I, I'm inspired by words by literature. My mom's a poet. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. She's written books and stuff. So, um, although I, I kind of, you know, mess around with her about that a little bit, but it's, it's the truth. So, yeah. Do you create a specific place that helps you to focus? No, not necessarily. I mean, again, I, I never had an office. So for the last 15 years, I haven't had an office. So pre-COVID and work from home, I've always worked from home. So I had to be productive wherever I was. So if it's a hotel lobby, I sit in Emirates Towers in the lobby and do some work from there. I mostly sit in my home office and do work from there. I still do that now. You know, I created a concept called Stereo Arcade, uh, which is a nightclub and bar. Uh, we opened in JBR in 2015. Sitting at the pool, um, actually at the pool, I was I had my laptop, I was listening to something, and I went for a swim, and I came back, and I'm like, oh, okay, gave me an idea for a club. <laughs> So, yeah, so I don't really have a specific uh, zone, if you will, that, uh, that levels me out or makes me more productive. I, again, I learned that I need to be productive wherever I am or else I couldn't, have, I couldn't have worked the way I did. What beliefs, habits, behaviors, and practices adopted recently improved your life greatly? Well, uh, I have my dogs. Uh, okay. My wife and I have our dogs. Um, 
it's amazing having, I think, a, a pet, an animal companion in the house because it, you know, it's it's a completely different kind of connection. Um, so, you know, they always hang out with me. They're always sitting next to me. They're always there's always that interaction, and, and I, I love spending time with them whenever I get a chance. Obviously, uh, in terms of other practices, I mean, like I said, the gym levels me out. The and that's not something new because it's recurring, but I do go through periods where I stop uh, going to the gym and I always find a way to come back because I think it's important to work on your, on your physical aspect as well so that your, your cardio is up and your heart's working like it should to avoid problems in the future. So there isn't one specific thing I can point out, to be honest. Other than the gym? Other than the gym, the gym and the video games. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything specific. I used to travel a lot. That was something that was always part of my life. And obviously, the last two years, that wasn't possible. I mean, now we're traveling again, but uh, for the last year and a half, let's say that wasn't possible. But you know, when you live in Dubai, you're always a tourist, right? <laughs> so there's always something new to do. When challenges, fears, and failures, or failures hit, what steps are taken? If it helps, what questions do you ask yourself? So failure is a part of life, it's a part of business, it's a part of relationships, it's a part of literally every single thing you can do. Um, actually, most of the things that exist today exist because of failure. Most of the things, it's not because of success, because if somebody was successful right from the start, the odds of that happening are ridiculously small. So I think failure is incredibly crucial um, to any culture, any ecosystem, any community. I mean, you just think about how many times people had to try to build something before it became what it is. How many times a rubber tire for a car was messed up until it became safe enough for people to use on the road. You know, how many times an airplane had to take off, how many, it's just, if you look at the nuances of every single, you know, invention that's happened, nobody ever talks about the failures that got to that point. Nobody ever talks about possibly the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that worked on one cure for one disease until one person cracked it and they all failed. But their collective efforts got to a solution. It's never just one person who puts his hand up in the air and says, I have a solution that quickly. There are people that are like that, but they're incredibly rare. So I think failure should be something that's normal. Unfortunately, it's not. People tend to be <laughs> attracted to success. That's a genetic disposition in humans to think that, oh, this is the, the best person that does this. This is where I'll go. I think now success has been skewed a little bit thanks to social media. Um, some of the most unsuccessful people I know are very successful on social media. And some of the most successful people I know don't even have social media. Um, so there's no, you know, that, that's, that's changed a lot. So when, again, you can't have success without failure. I've failed several times. Uh, lots of businesses of mine were incredibly working incredibly well, then they fell off a cliff. And the one thing you need to tell yourself when you're faced with a failure is if you're not ready to fail, you shouldn't be doing whatever you're doing. If you're, you know, expectation is you open a company and it's going to be successful immediately. This is not a realistic expectation. Your expectations should be, how many times do I need to fail for me to finally know exactly what I need to do to, to be successful? That's it. That's how I think. Like, okay, this didn't work out. This didn't work out. This didn't, what am I doing wrong? Or what can I do right? Or what can I do differently? Or maybe I'm in the wrong business. Maybe I'm in the wrong industry. Maybe I'm in the wrong city for the business that I want to be in. So there's a lot of questions people have to ask themselves whenever they fail. But if the question isn't, how many more times do I need to fail to be successful? Then I think people need to think of something else to do. Because again, it's the biggest part of business is failure. The biggest part. It's not the smallest part. It's just people don't like to talk about it. As, as, as people that are in business or ventures or 
anything that has to do with creating opportunities for other people. We have to be very open about failure. Like it has to be something that is absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, the greatest businessmen in the world play the same thing. If you can't, if you're not willing to fail, you shouldn't be willing. To, you're not going to be successful. What three concepts, beliefs, and habits, and/or behaviors should others adopt? Here's something I, you know, I would say not a habit, but something I I think is uh, for me at least a very logical belief, or something that is a logical explanation to the way things are. The odds of us existing as a human race, the odds meaning. Our existence as individuals, our existence as a race. I mean, 200,000 years ago, we were almost extinct. Just to put things into perspective, right? I always say, think about perspective. We're going to hit 8 billion people in a couple of years. So we went from 200,000 people near extinction to 8 billion people. We became the dominant species on this planet because we learned how to communicate. And just, just imagine how strong that idea is. What made us survive is our ability to communicate with each other. So all these tribes back in the day that used to go hunt for days and come back, the only way they survived was by creating communities. That's how the human race survived. So we were also we would have been extinct like every other species. So our ability to communicate with each other and tell people, you do this task, you do that task, that gave birth to leadership. So the community started having leaders, okay? So not everyone is as lucky as we are here to have leadership leading a city leading a country that is looking towards the future and trying to build something that is sustainable that is healthy that is economically sound that is economically savvy where nobody is above the law most communities don't have that situation if you're in a position of privilege or if you're in a location and you're privileged like being in the uae like specifically being in dubai find a way to give back to your community because without that community, nothing we do would exist. And again, I can go back hundreds of thousands of years to prove that communities helped us survive. And where we are today, everyone is always looking at very, very big picture stuff. Like, oh, we need to be the best in the country. Best, Be the best in your neighborhood first. Be the best in your community first. Build for the people around you first. Then talk about everybody else. Because if you get the support of your neighborhood, of everyone on your street, of the people around you, you're gonna get the support of the city. But if your objective right from the start goes, I'm gonna skip everybody around me and go straight to the top, it's very hard for that to happen. So that's why I always say, build for your community first and understand the community you're in and then start scaling. So don't jump in and say, I'm gonna have the biggest this and biggest that. So I know it's probably not advice that works for every industry, but that's something I would always say. Community first, before anything else. Get that right and you'll be fine. You'll be safe and secure. <laughs> safe and sound, huh? Safe and sound. If fans would want to copy your footsteps, where should they start? Copy my footsteps? Wow, it's more like a tango of my footsteps than <laughs> footsteps. Look, I had a very random um, path to where I am today. I mean, again, I studied English literature. I started my master's and I quit halfway through it because I didn't want to waste more time on education. Not something I condone, but I'm not a huge believer in, in traditional education. I think the world has changed a lot since, since my days my days, 20 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago, 17 years ago when I graduated. So I, again, I started off with literature. I came to Dubai. I worked on a film called Syriana. I was a production assistant. So literally all the extras that were, you know, roaming around, I used to wrangle them and put them together and tell them, come here, come there. Then I worked in advertising for nine months and I quit. 
um, because I didn't want somebody else to own my time. I wanted to do what I wanted to do with my time to be as productive as I wanted to be. And then I got into events, then I got into nightlife, then I got into F&B, and now I'm consulting with Big Mouth Concept, my new company. So there's no real path, right? I think the most important thing that I did for myself is I recognized opportunities that were unique to me. So if I have a specific skill set, something that I'm really good at, that's what I wanted to exploit and make the best out of it. So which is why I got into concept creation, because that's what I, I know how to build brands. So I didn't study marketing. I'm not a business guy, but I know how to build brands, people, brands that people like, people trust. So, um, yeah, so I, I, wish, I wish there was a roadmap I could tell people, but I really done, I've done so many different random things that it's very difficult to say which one in particular is something that, you know, I could write a roadmap to. Um, I think, you know, I'm always open if somebody wanted to reach out and ask me any questions. And I, I say that quite often if I can, if I can help even with 1% of a problem, I'll do it. If I can't help, I'll say, oh, listen, this is not my thing. I, I really can't help. There's nothing, I, I don't want to give somebody bad advice. Mm. But I would just say, you know, realize something doesn't work early, not late. If you're going to fail, fail really, 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 really fast and really, really early. Don't be emotionally attached to something. Don't make it a personal vendetta that, oh, people will think I failed. Nobody cares. You know, this obsession with people carrying what you do, nobody cares. Nobody cares. They only care when you put something up and, oh, look, I know this person and they're doing well, so I'll support them. People love that, which is amazing. I like that there's that level of support. When somebody has something devastating happen to them, people come, again, community, right? They come to their support. That's amazing. So if you're doing something and it's not working out, don't wait for it to work out. If in a couple of months, I know it sounds really like extreme, but if in a couple of months your business isn't taking off and you haven't really tried to fix it, it's not going to get fixed. If you're going to wait for it to fix itself, it also doesn't work like that. So if you're unable to find a solution, you're wasting your time. So just quit and do something new. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with quitting and doing something else because that next thing could be the big one. So if somebody wanted to copy what I did, that's what I did. Something wasn't working, I'm not emotionally attached to it, it didn't work out, it's not the end of the world, I'm gonna move on and do something else. All right, Samer, that's yeah. the end of the podcast. Well, it was Thank fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, I appreciate it. You're most welcome, it was a pleasure listening to you. Thanks, man. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.